Today we find a golden glow cast upon Christmas fantasy, the gold of candlelight. It puts a sheen on every note of the Yuletide tradition and legend, fantasy and fact. But before we follow the golden glow of candlelight into Christmas's past, let's shed a little brightening light on the shopping problems of Christmas in the present tense. And when it comes to happy solutions to shopping problems, you can leave the answers up to this friend of ours. Lucy, so the legend says, was a dreamy-eyed girl, so impractical that it worried her father, indulgent as he was. Even when he was speaking to her about how important it was for her to decide on a young man of good family to marry, her eyes would turn out the window into the night. And when he realized she wasn't listening and asked what she was staring at, she answered, watching the moonlight on the clouds. Well, her father thought perhaps she's still too young. Still, he wished to have her well married and happy with a life of her own. And so, when at last Lucy fell in love, not even the young lovers were as delighted as Lucy's father. He was so full of plans for them, a house fit for a young couple of their social standing, and he'd give Lucy her favorite slave to serve her. But somehow, in the midst of all the preparations and excitement, Lucy seemed to drift apart from it all in her dreamy, other-world fashion. Bewildered, her down-to-earth father asked her, what was the matter? Wasn't she happy? And reluctantly, Lucy admitted that she wasn't, not completely. What could he do, her father asked anxiously, to give her the happiness he so wanted her to have? Yes, there was something he could give her. He could defy custom and tradition and give her, before her marriage, her dowry. He never heard of such a thing. And probe as he would, he could get no sensible reason out of Lucy as to what she wanted her dowry money for. But he found out soon enough to his lifelong sorrow. Lucy, you see, had become a Christian. And in those days, being a Christian was like being a criminal. Yes, Lucy was a Christian, and she wanted her dowry to give to one of the leaders so he could distribute the money where it would ease the most suffering among other of his followers. 
Unfortunately for Lucy, the young man she planned to marry found out all about it. He was enraged and reported her to the officials of the town. And Lucy, on the eve of her wedding day, was snatched away and burnt at the stake. And so, even today, when St. Lucy is remembered, she is remembered with a crown of flame. In Sweden, the prettiest girl in the household is honored with the role of St. Lucy on December 13th, the anniversary of St. Lucy's martyrdom. It is her duty to rise before dawn and appear wearing a crown of lighted candles in every bedroom in the house. And she brings with her sustenance and comfort for all Christians in the form of a tray of hot chocolate served to bed. While we may have no golden-haired lass with a crown of candles to bring us cups of hot chocolate while we lie lazily abed, we do have something to warm the heart at Christmas time. Thank you. 
Christmas fantasies, like Christmas legends and Christmas carols, grow more precious with each repeating. And at your house, part of the Yuletide fantasy centers around bright packages under the tree. And to enrich this tradition without pauperizing your purse, take a hint from this friend of ours. a poet too modest to sign his name is this ode to the candles of Christmas. May the candle crown on Lucy's head, call you from your Christmas bed, and may candles light each face around your feast, and at each place find the smiles that you love best in candlelight so softly blessed. And at the end of Christmas Day, with gifts and laughter laid away, as content you sit and dream, may the holy candles gleam beckon you from your windowsill a message of peace and goodwill. Tomorrow morning she'll wake to see the trinkets on her Christmas tree and find beside her little bed where tenderly and soft of tread Old Santa Claus has walked to leave the toys that she might still believe. Her stocking by the chimney place gives to the room a touch of grace, more beautiful than works of art, and velvet draperies can impart. Here is a symbol of trust, richer than wisdom, thick with dust. I see it through the half-swung door, and smile to think long years before I too on Christmas Eve was young, and eagerly a stocking hung beside the chimney just as she, ere knowledge stole my faith from me. Upstairs about her bed there seems the peace of childhood's lovely dreams, and I, grown old, almost forget the truths 
with which I am beset. Upon this blessed Christmas Eve, I too, in Santa Claus, believe. And the Christmas that's merry and bright for you, your family, your friends, and your billful too, so often begins with the merry and bright ideas you discover at this friend of ours. around, candlelight is a part of Christmas. It lights the wreath in the window. It stands watch at a shrine. It glows on the table and sheds a mellow light on the smiles you love. Candlelight at Christmas even changed a man's life, or so the Christmas fantasy legend goes. The candles burned mysteriously on a tall tree in a dark and enchanted forest. This is the story of the mysterious candles and how they changed the life of a proud man named Rupert. Rupert was a knight and in his way an exceptional man, for in defiance of the tradition of the day he had come up the hard way. Born in a serf's cottage, he had become a bowman and then, by eagerly cultivating any who could help him, a squire to one of the most famous knights in the land. And when the man he served was killed in battle, Rupert had seized the fallen broadsword and fought mightily. He accepted all the praise that came his way, and sometimes enlarged upon it. And if someone made a slight error and gave him credit for some valorous deed performed by someone else, he never made the slightest denial and in time believed himself that he had single-handed vanquished the enemy. It wasn't that Rupert was lacking in courage. It was only that he was lacking in modesty, and he had a way, too, of outgrowing the friends who helped him. He scorned to even greet the squire who had helped him graduate from Bowman to squire himself. And he was arrogant in the presence of his fellow knights. After all, he felt, he excelled them all. And he was confident that nothing less than earldom awaited him. 
After all, the king was bound to appreciate his talents, and a king's decree could make Rupert an earl overnight. Rupert was overbearing, arrogant, and insufferable. No one liked him. Most of all, those who had known him always condemned his neglect of his aging mother. She still lived in the little thatched surf hut where Rupert was born. If she never literally starved or froze, she was never comfortable either. But Rupert never mentioned her in the bright and glittering world in which he now moved. Certainly he never came to see her. And the village congratulated themselves on this because he never came to see anyone. So it was quite a surprise when a haggard Rupert staggered into the village inn on Christmas Eve. He looked around at the faces of men who had once been his neighbors and his friends, like a man demented. I'm haunted, he cried. I am bewitched. I was on my way to Dunzing and took a shortcut through the forest, and then I saw a tree. At first I thought the tree was burning, but when I came closer I could see candles on the tree. Thousands of candles. And here is the strange thing. The candles were burning, but they were all upside down. All burning upside down. Even the flames defied all nature and pointed downward. Well, Rupert pointed and then fearfully asked, Do you see them? Come, I'll show them to you. It's just a little way. Only some of the candles now were upright and some hung down, and the top of the tree was tipped with a blazing, mysterious light. There, now do you see it? They nodded and he almost sobbed with relief. It wasn't an apparition then. He wasn't going mad. But what did it mean? No one seemed to have much of an idea on that until the old innkeeper said slowly, I think that is a tree of life. And the candles are the souls of men. Souls of men like all of us. And the light on the top of the tree is the Christ child. Come back tonight on Christmas Eve. And some of the souls burn brightly, pointed upward toward him. Some unrepentant souls turn away from him and hang downward, with their thoughts set only on earthly things. For a long time, the men stood shivering in a silent circle and watched the tree, and thought of what the innkeeper had said. And as they watched a candle here, another there turned slowly from the earth, until its flame pointed upward toward heaven. And abruptly, proud Sir Rupert mounted his horse and turned away. Hey, cried one of the men, that's not the road to Dunsing. I know, said Rupert in a voice that was quite unlike his usual arrogant tone. I know. I've been on the wrong road all along, it seems. Now I'm taking the road to home. And so the legend says Rupert learned to replace pride with humility. He took his aging mother to live with him and let the court think what it would of her humble status. And discovering that Rupert had more than courage, the king then did make Rupert an earl. He was the kindest and most considerate earl in the land, was Rupert, a man whose life was changed by candlelight.
And speaking of carols and such, when you go holiday shopping, you'll sing the praises of this friend of ours. at his finest towards the finish of the year. He is almost what he should be when the Christmas season's here. And then he's thinking more of others than he's thought the months before. And the laughter of his children is a joy worth toiling for. He is less a selfish creature than at any other time. When the Christmas spirit rules him, he comes close to the sublime. when it's Christmas. Man is bigger and is better in his part. He is keener for the service but is prompted by the heart. All the petty thoughts and narrow seem to vanish for a while and the true reward he's seeking is the glory of a smile. Then for others he is toiling and somehow it seems to me that at Christmas he is almost, almost what God wanted him to be. If I had to paint a picture of a man, I think I'd wait till he fought his selfish battles and had put aside his hate. I'd catch him at his labors when his thoughts are all of pelf, on the long days and the dreary when he's striving for himself. I'd not take him when he's sneering, when he's scornful or depressed, but I'd look for him at Christmas when he's shining at his best. Man is ever in a struggle and he's oft misunderstood. There are days the worst that's in him is the master of the good. But at Christmas, kindness rules him, and he puts himself aside, and his petty hates are vanquished, and his heart is opened wide. Uh, I don't know how to say it, but somehow it seems to me that Christmas, man is almost, almost at him to be. Now the candlelight throws some interesting sidelights on Christmas custom and superstition. In Bohemia, a land touched with gypsy lore, Christmas brings a holiday excuse for fortune-telling, and candles hold the center of the stage. Tiny candles about birthday cake size are mounted like little masts in boats that are half-shells of walnuts. They're set afloat in a big bowl 
with each tiny boat named for one of the people present. They make an enchanting picture and they forecast the future as well. The boats that drift toward the rim of the bowl forecast far journeys for their owners. Two boats that cling together mean marriage or a lifelong friendship. Boats that jostle the others are argumentative and will have more than their share of trouble. And woe beside the owner of a boat that capsizes because he'll be gone within a year. And from the brilliance of a new star, we have found our way to the Christmas of today. I'll be back with you again to further explore the fantasy and fact that is known as Christmas. Another time when you and I may again watch the passing parade of legend, lore, poetry, and music on Christmas Fantasy. (laughs) 